Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham and with me today is the very fantastic Jojo. Hello, Jojo. <laughs> How do you do, Graham? How do you do? I'm doing, I'm doing. So uh, let's do this. Today we are reviewing the series The Fall. This is actually a series that is not new. I think it actually was on Netflix for a while. And afterwards it went exclusive onto uh, BritBox, which is where it, it currently sits. Yes. So... We haven't done a series in a while, and you suggested, yeah, maybe this time we should do a series, didn't you? Yes, yes, and you you had uh, recently seen this one and, and recommended it, and I'm so glad you did, because, you know, one, it's nice to do something that isn't brand, brand new, and also something that is, is, is as good as this series is as well. And I think it's been chronically or sadly overlooked. Um, I don't I don't remember a lot. I mean, I had a lot going on in my life in 2013 when it originally came out, so I may have just missed a buzz about it, but I, I don't remember there being any buzz about this. I actually don't think it got any buzz at all, Juju, because like I said, I think I can remember this showing somewhere around my on my screen on Netflix, but this wasn't something that anybody was pushing, and as you said, I don't know a lot of people know about this, and much in in the same way, I think a lot of folks are discovering Gillian Anderson because of her, you know, featuring on The Crown, you know, how great of an actress she is and how freaking awesome, especially the fact that she is the one uh, Britain that actually navigates the two accents because she can, <laughs> you know, because um, I think she's American born, raised in Britain and then has moved back to live in the United Kingdom again. And she navigates the two accents again because she can, not because she's, you know, pulling a Hilaria Baldwin on you. <laughs> you know, so that uh, has also caused a, a bit of confusion, especially on the night that she accepted the Golden Globe. That's a conversation for another day. But you are absolutely right. This this series is one of the best in there that almost nobody knows about. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, and that's a shame and a crime. And hopefully we can we can rectify that with with our talk today. And uh, as you said, it's on BritBox, which is if you don't have Brit BritBox, I highly recommend getting it. It's very inexpensive streaming service and uh, has so much great content on there. You know they're doing some of their own original stuff, but they have so many of the old, the older British shows as well, and the more contemporary ones, and uh, you get a lot of content for for what they what they charge. Seriously, yeah, and yeah. you can you can add it also as a channel onto your Amazon, and I, I think the, doing it that way is sort of like makes it easier to just another. Five dollars a month. I'm not saying that, you know, everybody has five dollars a month sure. to, to spend. But what I'm sure. saying is, you know, there's a lot of shit here that, you know, I mean, Christ, a, a trip to uh, uh, Starbucks can cost a bit more than five dollars. So yeah, it really can. So 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 BritBox is actually good value, and especially if you are a fan of those great British procedural, uh, police procedural shows yes. um, that shine a light really on, on I don't know, maybe the right way of policing. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if it's right, but I think um, it's at least a bit more transparent than what we are accustomed to. I, I agree with that. And I also think that the, the British way of portraying the police is a lot less glorified 
than the American portrayal, the average American portrayal, you know, what you see on network television. Um, I, I, they aren't really portrayed as, 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 I don't know, saviors or that sort of thing. I mean, there'll be like one good cop who's really good at what they do, but they're also like shit at everything else in their life, you know? So, so it's, it, to me, it's a more realistic way of looking at, at how that sort of thing would and actually probably is does work in, in, in the police forces. Right. So a, a fact is that they have flaws and yeah. those flaws are not like he, you know, he's an alcoholic and shit, but who isn't? It's, it's just that because this guy has these flaws, the, the, there are mistakes that he or she is going to make because of those flaws and you can't overlook them. There, there is oversight that will will deal with that shit and if they need to be suspended if they need to be fired they will be fired and not the whole you know suspended without paying shit and you know the blue wall is going to protect you so this is that that's that's what we're talking about here and uh, this is why for me it's more palatable to to watch these kind of shows because i think there's a lot to learn from there anyway yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I grew up, you know, we had PBS and there was a lot of that. You know, there was Masterpiece Theater and there was a lot of British programming that was shown. Watch, and so I grew up watching a lot of, of that. So that's, to me, also like what I'm more accustomed to seeing. So when I see a, a typical American police show like network television, to me, it's it's as it's it's jarring. It's 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 I'm I'm confused, <laughs> or it's a little too simplistic for me. I'm I'm waiting for a twist that doesn't happen, or I, I don't know. I just uh, I, I I like the British take on on that much more than the American. It, it I just find it more enjoyable. We are on absolute agreement. <laughs> Let's talk then about the show itself and the job that you do, Jojo, in describing this series and all of our the contents that we do for our audience. So what is the form? What's it about? And go on. It's all you, Jojo. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll go on ahead now. <laughs> you're, going, you're going on now. You're going on. <laughs> Um, so it's a it's a British crime television series. It is set in Northern Ireland and also filmed in Northern Ireland. And it is the story of a detective, a superintendent. Her name is uh, Stella Gibson. She's played by Gillian Anderson in the series. And it is the story of her being sent from from London, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, to kind of crack a, a case, a big case, a big problem they're having in this part part of, of Ireland. And the hunt and the quest for a serial killer, someone who is committing some very atrocious crimes and, and causing a lot of, of fright and uh, issues in, in the area. Yeah, that's pretty much that's that's pretty much it. But of course when we say that's pretty much it, that's not that's, <laughs> that's not, not all of it. No, that's that's, that's. this show intertwines a bunch of characters that, as we said, are are not flawless, are imperfect, and as a matter of fact, perhaps the only perfect character in this show is actually the the serial killer himself because he knows his shit and. Um, he is perhaps the closest thing to Dexter in, in American pop culture, but perhaps a bit more sinister because Dexter depicted a by-the-book type of psychopath. And so, so the clinical readings of Dexter is, is almost as if the character was created by a profiler <laughs> whereas this one is a bit more like i'm the normal guy it's not the guy that is trying to fool anyone but he is by all for all in intents and purposes a normal guy that just happens to have a hobby of killing people uh, i don't know if i'm making sense is that like there there, there is 
There were no, no clues. You don't have any clues on this guy on, until you see him do what he does. Is that, does that kind of like describe him, Jojo? Yes, I, I agree completely. You know, he is, as you said, the, the closest to completely functioning yeah. <laughs> of the cast and um, very, very, I guess, good at what he does is a way of putting it. I did read, and I thought this was interesting. Um, I got a little caught up in the in the creation of the series. So the writer of the series uh, actually wrote the second season of Prime Suspect, the the original one with Helen Mirren. You know what? Before you continue, I did see some parallel, and I I kept thinking about some parallels that are not necessarily coincidences, but some parallel between Stella Gibson and Tennyson. But in a very different way, almost as if you could actually see the gap between yes. Uh, yes. the decades in which the two uh, characters were written. Yes, but I didn't know anything yes. about about the writer. <laughs> that's that's what I'm, that's what I was try, trying to get. So continue, please. Yeah, yeah. So I I didn't know any of that when I was watching it either. It was just when I was done. I I I guess I'm a nerd. I don't know. I like to do some research yeah, afterwards and, and read about it. <laughs> so, but anyway, so the writer, um, Prime Suspect, second season of Prime Suspect, he was actually in the process of researching the BTK killer who was here yeah. in the United States. And I find that very interesting that you said that this the serial killer in this in this series is is kind of the normal guy, yep. you know, if you will, the the the, the all around, you know, next door dude, <laughs> because that's essentially what the BTK BTK killer was: bind, torture, kill. Um, he had a very active period, but then he kind of fell into obscurity, if you will, and they they only ended up catching him through a, a mistake that he made when he he sent a letter to the police department, and they didn't realize he didn't realize some of the new forensics that were available. But he was a family man. In you know, in real life, he was the kind of guy that uh, he was active in his in his community. Like he was a, a good guy. Like people would ask him for help. His his children loved him. Yeah. And so, in researching that character, the writer was like. I don't want to write about this guy, but I want to create my own guy. And that's how this series was born. So so I just thought that the correlation between what you said about this character being kind of a, a normal a normal dude and the fact that he's sort of based on the BTK killer was was like, yeah, the writer got it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I was marveled by him. And but I know we're gonna talk a bit about the cast, but you know, towards the end once we have you know, but Jamie Dornan's portrayal of his character is incredibly surprising to me. Uh, you know, because those pretty boy actors, they don't normally like to get dirty, <laughs> you know. And I think J Jamie Dornan went went there almost yeah. in scary fashion, <laughs> you know. Yes, Yes, I I agree, and I I he actually never really hit my radar until there was all of the, and I didn't watch him, but all of the hype around the Fifty Shades of Grey yes. series, and uh, so I I had never really like he he just had never hit my radar, and they came out in twenty fifteen, yeah. so a, a little bit after this series, but so. You know, there was all these people that were upset that he was cast, and all these people that were happy he was cast, and it was like, whatever, I'm so confused by why this is even important, but whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's that's just when I became aware that he existed as an actor. And so I just kind of had in my head that that would be the kind of character he would always play. Yeah. So seeing him in a different role, and again, I haven't, I haven't watched the Fifty Shades of Grey series. I have to make that very clear because that's just not the kind of shite <laughs> I'm into. If you are good for you, I'm not judging. That's the same. That, that's the same thing we've but, talked about. Uh, what's what's that show? Uh, Bridgerton, you know, I mean, hey, yeah, right. If you right. if you're into that shit, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just personally not. But um, so anyway, but I I knew a little bit about the character, and of course you can't 
at the time when it came out, you couldn't avoid any social media without seeing a clip or getting an ad or something like that. So I just had in my head that that was the kind of character he played always and always had. Like, well, that must be why he caught the part, right? Because that's just what he does. He's always the handsome romantic lead or whatever. So seeing him in this series was like, oh, he has range. Cool. <laughs> He's actually an actor. I just thought he got cast because he was pretty or whatever. But yeah, so anyway. By the way, uh, this series is known uh, as a model as the golden torso. Uh. <laughs> Did you not know that, Jojo? <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. Yeah, miss that. the golden torso. All I can think of now is <laughs> all I can think of now is Zoolander and Blue Steel. <laughs> oh God, the golden torso. The golden torso. Okay. Well, when I read that, all I could think of actually was you know those <laughs> Greek statues that are now completely white and you know have yes, no arms but, they, but all you see is the bloody torso yes, yes, and the, the torso, big testicles yeah. and shit <laughs> that, that, <laughs> penis. in a tiny little <laughs> penis right so that's what i thought of like what the hell is that <laughs> you know but yeah that's what they called the dude uh, the golden tor- poor guy <laughs> to just be known as a torso i mean that's like i don't know it makes me think of like jersey when feet were washing up on the shore for a while from mob hits like it was like oh a torso washed up on the shore and it's golden it's, it's beautiful go- <laughs> it's fabulous it's funny <laughs> so jojo let's talk about the series what is your general opinion of this series and in terms of i mean you know, by all account, this is we've seen this before type of thing, isn't it? But what sure. what what sets this series apart for you? I think the writing, the 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 performances, of course. But I think that they were given such really good material to work with. Because I've always been a prime suspect fan and even though there are similarities between this and Prime Suspect, it's not a copy, but it's it's kind of got some of the same feel, like like you were saying. And I think that even though it's not groundbreaking per se, it is very enjoyable, very well produced, very well acted, and it's just a it's just a, a great polished production that you can just get a lot of enjoyment out of and you aren't really distracted by by plot holes yeah. or poor poor performances or poor production you know you can just kind of lose yourself in the in the experience of this and just go for immersion yeah i think the casting on this show was i don't know if they went actually they were very selective with it but like even some of the youngest actors gave you performances that you really really had to admire yeah and i'm like well who who, who was in charge of that <laughs> you know because everybody any minor role in there uh, had a lot of mm. nuance and in and poise and you know they were doing the work they were putting in the work yes. Yes. as actors and i think it's a vindication of Again, Jamie Dornan to not being typecast as the pretty face that played all the, the pretty torso. Yeah, <laughs> played on all those Fifty Shades movies or whatever. Yeah. That was fantastic on his part. But Gillian Anderson playing Stella Gibson, and I think her performance was right there with Helen Mirren's Jane Tennyson. And beyond, I, I would I want to say that because again, may, maybe I'm I'm a, a bit biased with Gillian Anderson, but I cannot believe that she has been that kind of actress, and we we don't hear we don't hear a lot about her, <laughs> you know. Yeah, she she is does seem to be a very I guess quiet or maybe private um, actress. She is consistently in very good things like she is very i guess selective in the roles that she chooses 
maybe she's just at the point in her career or in her life that she's like, you know, if I'm don't feel like this is worth doing, I'm just going to sit it out. <laughs> you can get somebody else. Yeah. Or not a challenge. Cause I, 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 I did see an interview with her and Olivia Coleman discussing her performance on the crown as Margaret Thatcher. And she was kind of talking about taking the part, even though Meryl Streep had recently, relatively recently played her and was, had given what everybody at the time was thinking was like the definitive performance of Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. But she was saying, you know, I took it as a, as a challenge. I took it as, you know, not as I'm trying to outdo anybody or anything like that, but just for me personally, I have a, a very high bar that's been set for me and I enjoy and a challenge. She's like, and I wanted to do my best take, if you will, on Margaret Thatcher that I could possibly do. And I thought that was that was neat. You know, it was it was a very uh, thoughtful yeah. way of, of taking a job, not just, oh, I'm going to be Margaret Thatcher and I'm going to be the best, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which may be how she actually felt. I don't know. But she she articulated it differently. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> There's that. I mean, it is possible that she was simply articulating the contrary to everything she felt, but yes. she sold it, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, she did. Yes, she did. Let's talk about those commonalities that we saw between the character of Stella Gibson and Jane Tennyson from Prime Suspect in, in this show. You know, one of the things I liked about Stella Gibson is that whenever your mind is playing that trick on you of thinking there's a little bit of Jane Tennyson there. You immediately fall back and see that Stella Gibson is not only a powerful female, you know, police force that is dominated by men, not only that, but she is also a feminist. Yes. (laughs) And unapologetically, feminist. Yes. Whereas Jane Tennyson always felt that she had to justify and demonstrate why she deserved to be where she were where she was. I don't know that Stella Gibson felt like she needed to show that to anybody. She <laughs> she was she just saw herself as equal to all of these motherfuckers and I don't care about your opinions. Like, your opinions are shit, <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> I know I'm good, and if you don't understand that I'm good, fuck you. Right. <laughs> and, and I think also she had a way of of making those statements both in deed and also in words. Uh, there's, a, there's a portion of it where she is talking to her boss, that I I loved it. Like, I loved it so much, I went and quoted it on Twitter because it was, like, way to do... And I I tagged her, like, yo, you are a fucking masterclass of an actress because dude was asking her, like, how come you're not falling apart? Like, these things are happening to me and I can't even be on my feet. How come you're not falling apart? And she said, because the basics of human being is female. Maleness is just birth defect. And then she smirked when she said that. And I was like, yo! I mean, she's not someone who is challenging the patriarchy in what she does but also in things that she said in like, you know, I'm showing to you that you're the boss only because you, you've always, <laughs> you've always been given those opportunities in, in, to, to be in charge because someone thinks that because you have a pair of balls and a penis, you should be in charge, but yeah, really you shit. No, I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this. you're actually a defect. <laughs> exactly. I was like, yo, yeah. she's dope. <laughs> that is that is very 
eloquent way of saying that that of calling someone a, a piece of shit, a piece of of, of <laughs> worthless trash, trash who does not deserve the position that they have, and they just have it because that particular birth defect is something that people like. Um, so right. yeah, that's 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 awesome, and I do see the difference between Prime Suspect in this series, and I do agree with your earlier assessment that it the the passing of decades. Because I think it's it's like thirty years. I think yeah, yeah nineteen ninety four, ninety between ninety four ninety seven. Yeah, I think ninety. I think there was a season that this particular writer wrote was ninety three. So, so I think boom. it's exactly thirty years. Yeah, and that that is very true. Um, and that is as much as we as as women, I think, feel that things have gone stagnant for us in a lot of cases. That is a positive sign that you can say that there have been definite changes in the unapologetic feminist portrayal on television. And that is something that with television is, you know, we, we, we'd use, for better or worse, we often use television as an example for our own behaviors. So, so yeah, I think that that is, that's a good, a good thing. Yeah, let's also before we before we get into the cast. This is this this is gonna be a short one. So there is also the the issue of plausibility. I like shows that are that you don't have to give a pass to when you have mm-hmm. to. But like when you you know that you question something and you have to remind yourself, yeah, but this is this is this is a show. This is a you know a TV show. I, I like those because. You know, if we were dealing with science fiction, then, yeah, I would be more inclined to give you a pass. But because we are dealing with things that could happen in real life, I want it to be as close to reality as possible. And this is one of the things that I liked about this, because, like I said, the character of Paul Spector, which is the character of the serial killer, was written in in a way that, you know, you don't see where he has an advantage on anything. He doesn't have superpowers, other than the fact that he creates the opportunities that he gets. He knows how to do it because he has sort of like a slightly criminal past. And also, he is a grief counselor, which obviously makes him understand the human mind. Yes. But other than that, I don't think, like, there's no super, like, the reason I say there's no superpower is because, again, when you go and compare this character to Dexter, you'll see that there was something mystifying about Dexter that was almost, that was unreal, right? Like, they created a character that they wanted you as the viewer to come to like. Yes. Even though he was a serial killer, but they gave him qualities that they wanted you to be interested in. Yes. There was nothing interesting about Paul Spector, which is what (laughs) makes him such a a perfect character. (laughs) Yes, yes. And, yes, and, and I, so, so for me, this was like, that's how you write this kind of character. That's, what, that's how you make this character believable. Because he will do things that normal people will do. For instance, he, you can tell that because he is a serial killer who mainly kills women, he fucking hates women. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was more of a love and hate relationship because... The one client that was being physically abused by her husband, he actually helped her. Yes. <laughs> you know, and yes. he came out heroic in that respect. You know, yes. not heroic, for, like for me to say, oh, but he's not such a bad guy. But I can understand that he does some normal things so much so that will make you not think, yeah. This guy has problems. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And 
there is also the fact that, as you said, you know, this dude has a family. <laughs> and his kids loved him. You know, I mean, the yeah. wife thought the world of him, <laughs> you yeah. know. But it's... Which is, I think, in most profiler profiler's minds, like as you were saying that Dexter was almost written like a profiler had written Dexter. Yeah. But um, in most profilers' minds, that's an impossible thing. You know, it has to be a, a, a young white guy who's never left his parents' basement or, you know, doesn't have anybody that he's accountable to so that yeah. he can come and go as he pleases and that kind of thing. But when you look at actual cases of serial killers, they a lot of them don't fit that profile. Nope. Um, you know, you can talk about the, the BT, t- BTK killer. Ted Bundy had a steady girlfriend. Eh? The Green River killer had been married for like 30 years or something like that. And everybody loved him. You know, they were like, oh, we go to Gary for help. You know, he, <laughs> he, he Gary's a great guy. He's wonderful. But he he's the, one of the most prolific serial killers in the history of the United States. So, like, people were in shock when, when he was arrested. Like, not Gary. Gary's a sweetheart. He wouldn't hurt a fly. So it just goes to show that just because somebody is is very educated uh, in what a, a serial killer is, quote, unquote, supposed to be like, doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions to that rule. Um, or it may even be that the rule is invalid and that people are unwilling to let go of that deeply held belief of this is what a serial killer is. Um, but if you look at what, what true life is, um, it, 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 quite often they don't fit the, the loner profile. And, and I think that's, that's exactly the thing is that society has created a profile in, in its mind about what because we are always even like for instance when we see cases of mass shootings we're always yeah. looking for the loner that we're always looking for the kid that has problems and was written off and had run ins with the with the law and things like that and then come to discover this is you know the kid that wears the dockers and <laughs> goes to church with his parents every every week and whatever like like but we we create you know if if they look like little freaks they are little freaks and they're most likely to be doing this and that, that's 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 that kind of crazy thing and yeah and we have had evidence over and over again that's not that's not the case, <laughs> you know. Exactly, exactly. But as and you say, we don't want to let go of that because I guess that's yeah. what makes us feel safe, like based on their I look th- or whatever. I I think so. I think to some extent, it's a it's a safety feeling. I think it's also something that we've been told and been fed over and over and over and over again. And if you get told the same thing over and over again, and our brains are just like, well, that must be. It must, it must be true. I mean, yeah. there's got to be something in it. If, if everybody's saying it, it must be true. So I think there's that factor in it as well. But I, I also think it, it is a feeling of, of safety. And, uh, you know, the movie we just recently re- reviewed and, and watched with Denzel and Rami Malek and Jared Leto, I think is kind of an example of, of how that can go wrong. Yeah. You know, because because Jared Leto was his character was was a freak. You know, he was. I don't think you could call him a, a good person or, or or a stellar member of society. But at the same time, I don't believe he hurt anyone. Right. And, right. And I I think I think he was just targeted by them because he he fit looked their a profile exactly. He, he exactly. fit their profile of the loner, had a couple cars, yeah. you know, what he, he what they had in their head of what this guy would be like. And it's unfortunate that that he played along, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. He played along, he played up to it. I I think he got a kick out of 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 playing with them because yeah. he was obviously not well. But he he also also never did like false confessions or anything like that either. He just he just kind of liked poking the bear a little bit, right. and I think right. some of that was, you know, 
Oh, I'm a I'm I'm a big macho right, dude. Right. Look at me making fun of the police yeah, type of thing. Yeah. I don't really like you said. He 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 played along with them, but I I just because somebody plays along doesn't necessarily mean that they that they did it, and just because they fit the profile doesn't mean that they did it because your profile could be completely wrong. And and I think that's why Stella Gibson got a lot of pushback because. When when the the moment she arrived, she established that the crimes that were occurring were linked, and nobody wanted to hear that, you know, right. because it was like, this is Catholic Ireland. We don't get, we don't have serial killers here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, no, no, don't 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 create this sense of panic by talking about serial killers. You know, these murders are not related until they right. were, you know. Right, right, until she was vindicated. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I have to say, though, I was a bit disappointed by the ending. Yes. But I kind of see what happened here, you know what I mean? Because uh, Because we we watch everything from an American point of view. We always want to win in the end. <laughs> and it's hard for us. It's, that's why in in America, you you don't have sports game that ends in a tie. And, and Americans, <laughs> Americans like, cannot understand why a soccer game can end 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what the point? You know? Well, why why'd you even play? <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got to win. You know what I mean? Like two two. Like oh, it was an exciting game. It ended in two two. Like what? That was exciting. You know, we, we always want to win. And 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 I think this was a show conceived by people who understand that heroes don't always win, and yeah. uh, sometimes you take a loss, and sometimes it's just a tie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, exactly. It's not always a happy ending, you know, for whatever that looks like. But you know, it's it's life doesn't hand out happy endings. <laughs> That's not how life works. Yeah. yeah. If you get one, hooray! But it, more than likely, you ain't gonna. <laughs> so let's then go ahead and talk about the cast. We've all already talked about Gillian Anderson in the role of Stella Gibson. And we talked about Jim, Jamie Dornan in the role of Paul Spector. This guy, John Lynch, who played Stella Gibson's boss, uh, Jim Burns, he, like, for the, every time I saw him, like, what the hell is Michael Imperioli doing <laughs> in Ireland? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it reminded me of Michael Imperioli, man. I was like, look at Michael, man. Look <laughs> but It's funny because for me, he actually looks like the very first boss I ever had in my life. Really? Um, it reminds him, and he was, he was Italian as Italian can be. So... <laughs> <laughs> but every time I saw him on screen, I was like, "Oh, it's Danny Pinicelli." But yeah, yeah, that's it. That's Italian, right there, Pinicelli. Yeah, right? <laughs> and you have to put the hand like yeah, Pinicelli, Madonna. <laughs> but um, good actor, and he he captured this character very well. He he's won all kind of shit. He is um, also a novelist. If you wanna, oh. if you wanna go there, you know. Oh. So, so this is this is a a, a Renaissance dude right there. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, one of the most impressive characters in in her case, one of the most impressive actresses here is Ashling Franchosi, who plays Katie Benedetto. Yes. My my my, that kid was good. <laughs> Yes, yes, she really was. When you were talking about the younger people really bringing it, that that's she was the first one that popped to mind for me because I was like, 
God, she was good. Yes, she was, man. I was, I was like, who is this kid and who, where, who are her parents, man? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and she plays a an Irish Italian uh, character, whereas she is also <laughs> Irish Italian. <laughs> she could, her name couldn't be more more Irish. Ash, Ashlyn would, you know, that spelling. And then Franchosi, of course. <laughs> <You know. laughs> so it was like right in her uh, in her alley. Um, Sally Ann Spectre was played by Brona Wolf. Um, she's she has one of those faces that I'm like I know I've seen her before. I know I've seen her before. I know I've seen her before. Where though? <laughs> the entire. She kept time. reminding me of Ricky Lake. Like when I would see her, she reminded me of Ricky Lake. I was like, a taller. No, it's not Ricky Lake. Lake. Right. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is true. Uh, She has the quintessential Irish beauty, uh, Mm -hmm. if you will. And and I'm not trying to be vain here uh, by talking about that. I'm not, you know, but is like, yeah, in Ireland, she's pretty. That's, that's, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> beautiful woman in Ireland, I'm just saying. Yep. And then we have Sarah Beatty played Olivia. And uh, that kid is all grown up now, isn't she? <laughs> Crazy how that happens. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, well, the show is about eight years now. Yeah, it's just, it's it's so funny seeing the difference in kids like you know yeah. like um jillian anderson to me she looks pretty much the same yeah from when i first saw her i mean a little bit of aging of course but it, it to me it's just i know it's silly but it's mind-boggling when you see somebody who's a kid and then you know they're like 20 yeah. 25 like what what yeah, I, I have i'm not that... old enough for that to happen yet That's, yeah yeah i have that problem <laughs> I have the problem with uh, that kid that was on Mad Men. Oh. What's her name? Mm. Like, you know, she, she was on know. Mad Men. She was a little baby girl when the show started. And she was, I don't know, 12 or 13 when the show ended. And then the next time I saw her, she was on Sabrina, the teenage, the revival of Sabrina. She's all grown up. And I'm feeling, I'm sitting here feeling old like jeez yes. <laughs> you know it is weird like you know you see actors all the time as you said and over a few decades you'll see them and like boy his age right oh she's yeah. aged and that's yeah. it but you, you still see the same person where, yes. <laughs> yes. You know, whereas when it's a kid and all of a sudden yeah. bam it's you know what i don't like is when they grow up to like be like on sports illustrated things and like ah oh, I don't want to see that do you know what I mean I knew you when you were little yeah. little baby yeah, I don't yeah. want to yeah, yeah I can't really gross. <laughs> you can <laughs> watch that <laughs> you know yep. you whatever your name was when, when you played you know what I mean like it's just no 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 alright yeah. <laughs> yeah there is one actress here also that I felt like her character was written maybe as a featured character, but she was very good, good enough to be memorable throughout the entire show. Like she almost became part of the show. And I'm talking about Valine Kane, who played Rose Stagg. You know, the last few episodes, she was like really a part of that, a part of the plot, even when she wasn't on camera, right? Like her name, the name of her character was being mentioned a lot and whatever. But I also think that she has the camera presence that makes her memorable. Uh, yeah. When we first meet her, she is telling Stella about her ordeal with the guy that we came to know as as Peter from Paul or whatever. And the way she tells the story is like perfect acting that you could actually revive it in your head you you could relieve it in your head because she was so on point her uh eye contact with the camera but without looking at the camera uh, you know and everything else she did 
where whenever she was on camera, it was I want to see more of her. That yeah. that was the the feeling. So if I were to you know look at anybody as a best supporting actress here, I would definitely be looking at her. I agree. Yeah. I agree. She was like you said whenever she was on screen, you wanted to see more of her on screen. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite Irish comedians is actually Ashling B. She played uh, Kira Sheridan, the nurse who took care of Paul. And it she was really intense. The the character was really intense almost to the point of making me think that she was some kind of like uh like fangirling on 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 Paul. Did you get that? feeling i i did a little bit and it was it was kind of of like unsettling yeah like i'm not entirely sure what's happening here or what's going to happen here yeah i agree i agree i was like oh god she's gonna do something stupid that's all (laughs) i kept thinking about you know yeah and i I don't know if that was the like kind of a thing to give us a little tension you know like yeah what's what's gonna happen or whatever but um yeah it was it was yeah it was strange it was it was it was actually strange to see ashling b playing a character where you know you sort of like always she was so serious but like at the same time i was waiting for her to crack a joke <laughs> I feel like that so much whenever I see a, a comedian in a in a serious role. I mean, and unless they're it's like a large role and they can just lose you completely and you and you know it's a it's a a strong role, but if it's if it's a small part, even though they're very good, there's always the point of I'm like, oh, they're gonna say something funny when they go out the door or whatever, you know, like I, I I'm just waiting for it to happen. I I don't it, Brains are weird. <laughs> I know. I know it was like, I was like, okay, she she's definitely going to do it. She's going to do it. She's going to, you know. Um, any other character that you you felt kind of like stood out for you there? I can't really think of anybody else. My, I, I really had a, a fondness for, for Katie's character. Um, I know we already talked about her, but for me, that was kind of the... The standout, um, I mean, of course, Jillian Anderson and Jamie Dornan were great, but Katie's character really stood out for me. Yes. Uh, Niamh McGrady, who uh, played uh, Danny, she she was like originally like a a bit cop, and then she became sort of like the right hand to, to Stella. And then for some reason, she asked to... To be put back on the streets, <laughs> you know, uh, I I I kind of didn't understand that move. I I I liked her 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 interactions with Stella, and I I I would have wanted her to to continue being, you know, Stella's sidekick, but she sort of like didn't see the point of it and just walked away. What do you think of that? I I couldn't decide if she, as you said, like just couldn't see the point of it and was like, I just go back to the streets or if she kind of got scared and didn't admit it, you know, if it was just kind of a decision based on um, saving her own hide. Like, uh, I, I don't think this is going in the direction that is going to be good for me. And I, I'm just going to go back to what I'm used to. I, I, I couldn't really decide what her motivation was there. Yeah, I mean, it it it, it is. You can you could suspect that also because she, her disinterest in the case and even integral part of it sort of like went away the moment things started to go south. When that shooting in the forest happened, I think that's when she thought uh, this is not going to end well, and yeah. I don't want a lot of involvement in it so that my name historically is not attached to to this. But I, I I think she she played you know, she was a good character and uh yeah. Niam Niam did a hell of a job with it. I just yeah. would have wanted her to be more present uh yeah. more and more. But I, I think that also gives us a little more of reality because, you know, 
not everybody is going to be in it to in it to win it you know yeah um there there are there, in life there's always going to be somebody who's like you know what i i just i can't do this i'm i'm just going to go back to what's comfortable and normal for me yeah. and um i'm i i i can't you know like what if this ends really horribly and i lose my job yeah. or you know and i i can't have that happen i agree with you in what we would want would have wanted but i also like the 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 gritty reality of I give up. I'm done. Yeah. I think you're right, Jojo. <laughs> so so this show is on on Britbox. We have a special kind of fondness for Britbox and we we, we do. when we when we review a series from Britbox, you will all, always hear us encourage you to get to get Britbox because there's some good yeah. gems in there and and yeah. you'll you'll get acquainted with a lot more than you think you know. Yeah. And uh, and like you said, it's easy to add through Amazon if you want to go that route. And uh, when you compare it to the cost of other streaming services, it it certainly is is bang for the buck. I mean, you know, Hulu I think is like up to seventy bucks a month now for some of the tiers. Right. Um, so I mean, you know, if. If you have an extra five bucks a month and you enjoy streaming content, BritBox is is certainly the to me the best the best value out there. Yeah, yeah. And with that, we're gonna call it a day today, Jojo. Right? If you are looking for Jojo on Instagram, you will find her as Jocelyn Podcast, and you can find me also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. As Mr. Puzzetta, that's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. We are, uh, this show, this Kicking and Streaming podcast is on Instagram and on YouTube and on the Twitter bot. The Twitter bot? Is that a thing? I don't know. Twitter, Twitter <laughs> does not have a bot, does it? I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> All right. Whatever, dude. You know what we're I'm okay. saying. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're everywhere, essentially. The fact is, we're out, and this is Graham and Jocelyn saying goodbye. Thank you very much for watching today, for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.